What up, guys? This is The Chase Down, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. And today we're going to be talking about some teams and some players that have changed our perception through the preseason and have changed our views on them heading into the regular season. So we're going to start with teams first that we've taken notice of in the preseason. Uh, Ben, you want to start off? Absolutely. I think uh, I had the Chicago Bulls as my sleeper pick. Yeah. When we did our Eastern Conference breakdown, and I am even more sure of it than I was then. Yeah. After their preseason games, Zach Levine has become a better defender. On top of just hitting threes, on top of hitting layups, he can actually defend. Uh, Kobe White's taking a little step up. Patrick Williams is a monster. Yeah. I think they really have a chance to fight for the eight seed. I still put the Wizards above them, but I think they're over the Hawks now. I think you're right. I was watching the Hawks. Actually, I'll get to the Hawks later because that's one of the teams that I put in there. But, yeah, the Bulls. And you didn't even mention Lowry Markkinen. Mm-hmm. Lowry Markkinen, too. I think this is going to be a big year for him because recently news just came out that they can't agree on an extension for him. So this is a contract year for him, too. So he's going to be balling out. You were right. Zach Levine playing defense is just like I never expected that. <laughs> what do you think Kobe White's ceiling could be? Because he's super interesting to me. I mean, besides the flashy passes, he's not like a great floor general. No. Um, he's, a he's, he's a score first point guard. Yeah. I think his ceiling is just a maybe 20-something points per game on pretty good efficiency yeah. point guard. I think he's like souped up Lou Williams, kind of. He's bigger than Lou. Yeah, like, I think he's just a stronger, bouncier player than Lou, but, like, that same kind of, like, they're just going to get their bucket. You can't really do anything about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. His rookie year, he had a whole bunch of games where he was just inefficient as hell and just missing all his shots. But he was – he had some hot games, and I think he can absolutely have more of those than bad games this year. Yeah, I think the last, like, month of the season before it got shut down due to corona, he was going crazy with, like, the most 30-point games in a row by a Bulls rookie since Michael Jordan or something like that. Like, he was hitting really high highs. So, I'm excited for that Bulls team, too. That's definitely, like, a – I think that'll be a fun team to watch this year. Do you think – so, I I, honestly, right now, I think they'll probably fight for the play-in spot. Yeah. Um, just because they're too young, they don't have anybody on their team with playoff experience, like real playoff experience. Yeah. Um, do you still have the Wizards above them? I do, just because Westbrook's been so good for so long. Like, and Bradley Beal, he showed us last year that he could get 30 a game. So if you pair two players like that that are like all NBA caliber, I just think it beats out young talent in the yeah. end. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. So the team I need to talk about is the Jazz. I previously in the Western Conference breakdown had them not making the playoffs. And the more I think about it, that's just ridiculous to me. Like I kept thinking about it and they went seven games with the Nuggets who made it to the Western Conference finals last year. And that was without Boyan Bogdanovich, who's a 20 point per game scorer, a good like hockey assist guy. Like he gets, but he's kind of like Gordon Hayward and his passing ability. And he's a good defender for like, I, I, I don't know. I think he's just a huge piece and they really missed him. Uh, they have Donovan Mitchell locked down. They have Rudy Gobert locked down. I just think there's too much talent on the team for them to miss the playoffs. 
and I'm yeah. starting to realize that now. Yeah, I'm glad you're you're on board. Um, yeah. They've got too much collective talent, and like their defense is so good. Even when Rudy's not on the floor, Derek Favors is such a good backup for them. Yep. Um, Mike Conley's going to have a better year than last year. I'm he, certain. He has yeah. He has uh, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, they just have too much talent. They they can't not make the playoffs. Who do you have? I'm interested. Who you have them? Like where you put them now? So, pretty dramatic swing. I have them fifth. Um, okay. And I have the Rockets just falling completely out of the playoffs. Um, in my Western Conference breakdown previously, if you guys listened, I put the Rockets fifth because I think James Harden's such a dominant player that if you have him on your team, you're going places. Um, but with this turmoil and this new roster and the new coach and the new GM and a shitty owner, it's hard to see them having team success. So I just swapped – the Jazz and the Rockets, and I have the Rockets fighting for the eighth seed. With I, Blazers. That's exactly where I put them. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the part for me that makes me just not believe in the Rockets is James Harden's unwillingness to be a Rocket. Um, yeah. And he just doesn't put in enough effort with the team. You watch that dumb play where he just was falling asleep in the paint or he got the ball thrown off his chest. And that, like, that's going to keep happening. Yeah. Um, the trade seems like it's going to happen any day now, to me, at least. I, I don't know. I, it just feels like there's momentum going where Simmons, In what direction? I think he's going to the Sixers. It seems, like, super apparent to me now. When there's this much smoke, there's usually fire. Mm-hmm. And with Ben Simmons' name keep getting thrown out there, since the start of the trade rumors, it's like – Something's definitely going on there with Daryl. So, yeah, I don't think the Rockets are going to be able to make the playoffs this year. And I think the Jazz, they always have a top-tier defense with Rudy. And if you have Donovan Mitchell, who's, like, a great scorer, I think they're going to be in a good position. All right. I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking – keeping with the Western Conference, yeah. um, I think I way underrated how good the Pelicans are going to be this year. Same. We need yeah. to speak about this. You go. Um, floor spacing, I, I thought it was going to be a big problem. Yeah. Um, Steven Adams said it perfectly. He's just got to get the hell out of Zion's way. Yeah. Even if he's clogging the paint, Zion can just go through him. You saw him score over five bucks when they played against the Bucks. He is just he, – he plays on another level. And he actually plays defense – uh, I think they're going to be – I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be fighting hard for it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. Previously, I was like, the spacing, there's not enough shooting, blah, blah, blah. But watching Zion in the preseason, one, makes me think they're going to fight for the playoff spot, the eighth. And two, makes me think he's a guaranteed all-NBA player this year. Like whether you think so? You think I it's think what, what team you think he makes? Probably third, just because it's his first year. But I think, like, I'm trying to think. If he gets what he did for averages all last season, which is, like, 23-7 on 60% shooting, and, like, he just dominates games like that throughout the year, I I don't see how you could keep him off an all-NBA team. Even if the team's, like, struggling with win-loss, I I don't know how you you could keep him off. Yeah, yeah. He's just got to – play enough games I think he's going to this year I think they're done kind of being cautious with him 
I think uh, they were done with that in the bubble. They saw how, like, they basically threw the bubble. They were not trying to go to the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking at his stats from last year. 22 and a half, 6.3 rebounds, two, two assists a game. Like, he was just an animal. Per, per 36, 27 points per game. It's, like, ridiculous. Yeah, his thing for me is he's got to – become a serve a passable free throw shooter he gets fouled so much and he's going to keep getting fouled so much those free throws are going to be so important but also on this team i think an underrated he's going to continue to be underrated on this team is lonzo yeah watching him run the offense seeing him actually hit mid-range shots i have a lot of faith in him this year we we've seen him in his first few years refuse to take any mid-range shots like it was either a three from the wing or he would drive for a layup and that was it and now he's feeling comfortable coming off of picks and stopping and popping like we saw in that game I I know what shots you're talking about and Mm -hmm. it's just like if he can do that with any rate of consistency that offense looks a lot different than with him not being able to like take those shots and just have to stop at the three-point line or drive to the hoop. Like, adding that new element to his game is huge. Yeah. He is so good at running the offense on top of that, and he's just going to keep feeding Brandon Ingram and Zion. I also think running Lonzo and Eric Bledsoe with two point guards at once is a great idea. I think it's worked out great for them. Yeah. I I was reading an article about Lonzo uh, last year, and obviously he took a big step forward last year, and they were saying that he's actually, like – really good as an off guard too he doesn't need the ball in his hands like he's just fine running the offense like being off ball and running screens for guards and like coming off cuts and stuff like that so I think they have a lot of different lineup combinations and I'm like I'm considering taking the Warriors out of the playoffs and maybe sneaking the Pelicans in I'm not sure just yet but I'm thinking about it I couldn't dare do that just Steph and Draymond have more playoff experience and playoff potential than I think the whole Pelicans team. I mean, not potential, but they're just, they like, they know how to win games more than the Pelicans do. My bold take for Lonzo, he shot, he's been slowly upping his free throw percentage. It's like 47% his second year, 52nd, 56% his third year. I think he gets it up to 70% this year. That would be huge for his game. I think I think if he can do that, he he must be a lock for most improved. If he can get that up to 70%, and that adds another two, three points to his his average. You know what it I mean? It adds more than that because not only is he hitting more free throws, but he is confident enough in himself to where he's going to drive to the rim more. Right. So I, I think he'd be a lock for most improved. And I feel like with him taking that extra step, I feel like it with him, Ingram, and Zion – it's just – it's weird to think that they couldn't make the playoffs in my head. Yeah, that's – I. it's not a disrespect to the Pelicans for me. It's just there's too many really good Western Conference teams. I, I have a hard time putting them over anybody. You have Portland eighth, right? Yeah. Do you think that the Pelicans could beat Portland in a three-game series in the play-in? Play no. 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 I also think – I may have Portland too low. I think they may end up higher than the eight seed. Uh, I, yeah, I'm starting to regret that a little bit too. I think it's a little disrespectful to Dame. 
I just don't know who to put them over is the problem. What teams are they going to be better than? They're going to be great, but every single game is going to be a hard-fought win in the West. Yeah, the West is just loaded. So it's that playoff is going to be ridiculous how close it is. I think what you were speaking on in the Western Conference breakdown, how, like, the Warriors were your three seed, but, like, maybe they could only be three games ahead of seventh seed. I think you nailed that on the head. I think it's going to be super congested again. It's just going to be tricky to try to break down. Yeah, I, I still think the Lakers are going to be the clear one seed. Yeah. Um, but two through eight, I think, is a toss-up. Total toss-up. I have uh, – yeah, I, I don't know. But that's going to be crazy. I don't – I think I could have Portland going all the way up to four potentially. Yeah, me too. Like – they could jump a lot of these teams. Like the Suns, I think they could jump. I have the Warriors seven. They could definitely jump them. I don't know. I might have to do a new Western Conference breakdown. Um, but, yeah, what, all right. So what, the next team I want to talk about is actually the Lakers. That's a good segue. Um, they were 4-0 in the preseason. And it's just when I saw my, like, choice for a surprise player, Taylor Horton Tucker, actually, like, dominating – that sh- it felt like the rich got richer. It was just like they have another player that can do this type of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if he can do it in the regular season, man, but I maybe not. He's not putting up 30 point games in the regular oh, season. Oh, no. But no, 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 no. But he's going to be a good enough role player for them. Right. And it's like that's what they need, right? Because they have their established. I mean, they have AD, LeBron. That's all you need. And then they just need pieces around it to like gel, right? Yeah. So when I saw him playing well <clears throat> and having that 30-point game and playing great defense, like stripping the ball from Kawhi and just crazy, crazy athletic finishes. Like mm-hmm. His, his whole genetic makeup is ridiculous. His wingspan's yeah. like 7'1". He's got that's like Kawhi-sized cool. hands. He can jump yeah. out of the gym. Dude, that's like it's, – it's unfair that the Lakers got yeah. him. <laughs> so it, it was just – it felt like the rich got richer. They plowed through the preseason. It feels like nothing's going to stop them. And I, I think the preseason was just like a snippet of what we're going to see this season. So it's a 72-game season. What's your prediction for win totals for the Lakers? I don't you think they're in the 60s. No, I can't do it because of the rest that AD and LeBron are going to get, but I, I still think they're going to be the number one seed. That's fair. Yeah, I, I can't see them reaching like a Warriors level win total. No, but I think again, that's a testament to how good the West is this year, and every yeah. single team's going to be coming for their head. Yeah, we were speaking about it in our Western Conference breakdown. There's not an easy win except maybe the Thunder. So yeah. it, like, and like the Spurs, maybe. I said they weren't, but I they're I think they're gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that was out of respect for Pop. That yeah. 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 Then I watched him play and I just I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh all right. Who's your next team you want to talk about? So I'm going to take a, uh, a turn and instead of talking about a team I'm excited about, I'm going to talk, a team, talk about a team I'm not excited about, and that right. is the Celtics. Same. Um, I had them fourth seed in my Eastern Conference breakdown predictions above the Heat, and I, there's no way nope. that they finish above the Heat. Nope. Um, especially when you watch, uh, what is his name, KZ Okpala, is that his name for the Heat? Yeah. Um, yeah. They just keep pulling out gems. And the Celtics do not pull out gems. They just have scrubs on the bench. 
Yep. They got to get rid of Carson Edwards. I love Tremont Waters so much, but he's too short to be yep. a really good NBA player. Correct. Um, they got to go out and sign good vets. Like, yep. stop, stop relying on young guys who may or may not prove themselves and go get some young vets. I think Romeo Langford's going to be good when he comes back. And obviously they're not healthy. Kemba's, Kemba's out. Tristan Thompson's out. They still have a lot of – like you're playing your 12th and 13th best man, but right. it's not fun to watch those preseason games. It is – I'm on the same boat as you. I wrote that down. I wrote that the Celtics could be way worse than expected, and I, I think that's right on the head. Like I – we both love Jason Tatum. We both love Jalen Brown. We both love Marcus Smart. Like, and Kemba Walker, we love him. Those four, like, it's set in stone. We like them. From then on, though, it's like you literally don't know who's going to make an impact. It, you, their bench is so flip-floppy. Like, I have no idea what you can get from any of the players. Like, the rookies look okay. They look aggressive, which is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... I don't see the rookies making an impact in the playoffs. Romeo Langford, I would love to see him play. Like, he doesn't get enough minutes for me to feel confident in saying, like, he's going to be good because I really don't know. All I've seen him do is defend. When he's out on the court, he defends well, but he doesn't really take any shots. Yeah. He's a really good finisher around the rim, but his shot, like, they have been working on it Um, because his shot wasn't great coming into the NBA, but – Defense is big for them. Dude, my, my problem, too, watching those preseason games, watching Marcus Smart just brick three after three after three, I, I can't stand it, man. Yeah, it's horrible. He only hits, like, running threes. He doesn't hit any wide-open threes, and they everybody who guards him knows it, and they just leave him open. Yeah. It was and so hard to watch. It's It's strange to say, but, like, the loss of Gordon Hayward is going to be so annoying, actually. Even though he was in and out of the lineup always because of his injuries, like having a guy that you know can drive to the hoop, make the extra pass, make good decisions with the ball, and take like open shots and make them, it's just we don't really have that anymore. There was no point where Hayward was going to crack under any sort of pressure. He was as cool as could be. He was the, the best stabilizer for the team, and I just don't know that they have that. Jason Tatum is so hot and cold. Jalen Brown's consistently good, yeah. but he's not consistently great. Right. Um, they just I, – I want to reserve a little judgment until our starters come back. Right. But – Man, with just, like, two more players, how much better can the team get? Yeah, it, you're, I completely agree. I don't see how our ceiling can be raised so much because we made the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and that was with Kemba on a bum knee, and that was with Gordon Hayward injured, and our bench sucked. And the same thing's happening this year. Like, our bench sucks, Kemba's injured, so I don't see our ceiling going up. I only see it going down. Like, it, are you confident in the rookies we've drafted, Peyton Pritchard and Naismith? Do you have any? I mean, Peyton Pritchard, you don't expect, like, the 22nd or 23rd pick or whatever he was sure. to be, like, a serviceable NBA player. I think Naismith's going to be good. I um, like how aggressive he is. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like how aggressive he is. I think his shot's going to start falling. 
Um, the thing I'm worried about is just that he didn't have a full off season to like really transition into NBA life. It was like two weeks after he got drafted, we're doing preseason games. Yeah. And he had a foot injury, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he was rehabbing, not like training for the mm-hmm. NBA. He was just, he was getting healthy again. He wasn't preparing to be an NBA player. So I don't, he, I like his aggression, but I, I do not have a lot of hope for the Celtics outlook this year. Me either, unfortunately. So the next team I'm going to talk about are the Warriors. Um, I spoke about it a little bit. I see a path where they slip out of the playoffs. Um, Explain to me why. <clears throat> I think if they get one injury, they're done. And I don't even mean to like Steph or Dre. I think to like Kelly Oubre or Andrew Wiggins. I think they're done for. I think that team is still borderline a G League team with like the players they have on the bench. It just, I don't really get it. I was watching some old games today and like Kavon Looney's a nice player, but he does basically nothing on the court except for grab rebounds and catch oops. And that's really it. I mean, he's not like an impact center. So it really comes down to like James Wiseman. And obviously, like, every camp is going to say, oh, we love our rookie. Like, he's really shocked us, blah, blah, blah. But <clears throat> I can't trust it until they come out in the court and show it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I still have faith. Um, but you're right with their bench. It's it's a lot weaker than it was before. Um, it's bad. They have so many guards, which is interesting. Jordan Poole, Brad Wanamaker, Nico Mannion, Steph Curry are all point guards. Yeah. Um, do they have still? Do they have Damian Lee still? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, they have a whole bunch of just like okay basketball players. Um, I I can't count Steph Curry out. I still think nope. just like with Dame pulling the Portland Trailblazers, just dragging them to the playoffs. I think if they lose, like, Oubre or Wiggins, Steph is just going to jump up his shots per game by, like, five or six shots and just start torching people from three. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that it'll translate to wins, so I guess you're right. Uh, but yeah. I have a hard time betting against the Warriors. You tell me who you have confidence in from this list, okay? Mm-hmm. Michael Mulder. No. Kevin Looney. I like Kevin Looney. Okay. Brad Wanamaker. Eh. Kent Bazemore. He's a good defender. Not a great offensive player. Jordan Poole. No. Nico Mannion. Eh. Damian Lee. Eh. Eric Paschal, I like him. Yeah. James Wiseman. I still have a lot of faith in James Wiseman. True, but we can't be sure until he steps on the court, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Marquise Chris. Marquise uh, Chris is a good backup center. But he's horrible at defense. Yeah, except when he has flashy blocks. That's it, right? <laughs> yeah. Then there's Alan Smiley-Geach, Juan Dono yeah. Anderson, and then Clay Thompson's out for the year. So, like, seven of those players – I didn't even know until I went on uh, basketball reference earlier today. Like I literally had never heard of them. So it's like, that's what your roster's comprised of. If you have one bad injury or like someone's not performing what we think they're going to perform like, like if Kelly Oubre doesn't give us the 17 points that we're expecting from him, 
does that like completely derail the season of the Warriors or is Draymond not the same defensive player or like facilitator that he used to be? It just takes one thing. And I think that team could really slip. Yeah, man. I mean, you're convincing me a little bit. I have no reason to think that Kelly Oubre isn't going to put up the sort of numbers he's used to putting up. Right. Right. Um, Cause the dude works his ass off and I, I mean, just learning from guys like Steph, I think is only going to help him, but yeah. Losing Clay really hurts. Really, really hurt, man. If they had Clay, I'd be saying they're like a title contender. But I think there's like a dramatic drop off between Clay and Kelly Oubre. Even though I love Kelly Oubre and he's a good player, you have one of the best shooters of all time, like probably top five shooter all time on your team paired with another top five shooter. Like that just makes it impossible for defenses to defend you. So that that downgrade, I, I see potentially rocky waters for the Warriors this season. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, maybe I had them as the three seed, which is a very bold decision. Maybe they won't be the three seed, but I still think they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I, I'm a little worried for them. Though. We're worried for them though. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about, uh, I think the East is not as the one seed in the East is not as cut and dry as I thought it was going to be. Um, going into the start of the year before the preseason, I thought the Bucks had the one seed easy. Yeah. And I think the Nets are going to give them a run for their money. Yeah. Um, they're just such an offensive powerhouse of a team. Kyrie, Karis LeVert, and KD on the floor all at once is not fair. Unreal. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, DeAndre Jordan's still a passable defender. Mm-hmm. They still got I mean, the, the, the problem is their defense. Right. Um, but it's not even a problem because they're going to put up more points than the other team most of the time anyway. Like, you got to be ready to score, like, 130 against the Nets, and I don't see that happening with a lot of teams. I totally agree. I, that's my main reason for having them win, winning the championship this year. Um, we watched – they played the Celtics the other night. I'm sure me and you both watched it. Um they beat us by like 40 or something ridiculous. And when their bench came in, cause I don't really take in like in blowouts like that when KD and Kyrie come in against our second unit and light it up after the up by 20 already. I don't really take like huge stock into that. Mm-hmm. But their second unit was dominating too. Like Spencer Dinwiddie was getting buckets and Kara Silver and Jared Allen was playing well. It was just like the, so many riches on that team. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they are a, at least the two seed in yeah. my eyes now over the Sixers, unless the Sixers get James Harden. And then maybe um, there's a conversation there, but the yeah. Nets watching them in the preseason, man, they're, they're going to be so good. They're so ridiculously good at offense. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I, I agree with you at the like talent part that you're talking about. But as the number one seed, I just get nervous just because of, like, what we spoke about earlier in the Eastern Conference break, that injury risk, man. Kyrie, he's so tic-tac-y with injuries and KD coming off. I think they're probably going to rest him here and there. So from a talent perspective, I think they win. Like, they would be the number one seed, but in terms of rest and stuff like that. That's fair, yeah. I think every single game where Kyrie and KD are healthy and together, they're probably going to win. Yeah. Like – I don't see I don't see teams in the West beating them when they're both healthy. When everybody's on that team's healthy, I don't see it happening. Do you think they're the favorite now 
like with watching the preseason and seeing how healthy KD looks and like watching Kyrie do his thing, do you think they've overtaken the Bucs as your title winner? Or do you think the Lakers... See, I think they're going to give the Bucs a run for their money with the first seed. But the thing about the Nets that's so different than the Bucs is they're not running set plays and relying on their team chemistry. They're just giving the ball to KD and Kyrie and letting them work. Right. Um, the Bucks are such a good regular season team. Yeah. Uh, like, even if they don't show it in the playoffs, like, they just play so well as a unit yeah. that if one person has a bad game, somebody like Dante DiVincenzo is going to step up or somebody who you just, like, don't have a lot of expectations for is going to show out. Right. Um, play, come playoffs, though, I think the Nets probably have the edge. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. You're coming over to my side on that. Yeah, right yeah, I'm coming. I yeah. really – I wanted this to be Giannis's year. He didn't even play in the preseason, so it's hard to, like – Yeah, evaluate the Bucs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he played, what, one game? Two games? I think so. He missed, he missed the game against the Pelicans. Yeah. Because um, yeah. he shot six for seven from the free throw line in his second game. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. I don't know. I, the Nets are more talented. Yeah. But I think come playoff time, not having set plays is going to hurt them. Uh, okay. If you've got a defender that's good, at, like in Drew Holiday, if you've got a defender that can just like yeah. make Kyrie have to run set plays, like make him have to run through screens and then you don't have screen plays for him, I think yeah. that's going to be a problem. I, I, I definitely see what you're saying too, but – yeah, Budenholzer, I mean, we don't know what Nash is as a coach. So all we've seen in the preseason is just you guys are two of the best scorers, like, ever. Just go do your thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but we know from Budenholzer he has the history of running screens and moving the ball and stuff like that. So I can definitely see where you're coming with for, uh, with that. Yeah. Um, uh, the final team I want to talk about is the Suns. So the Suns went 0-4 in the preseason. But I still have zero concerns about this team at all. It, like, it didn't sway me at all. DeAndre Ayton looked great. Um, he looked exactly what I uh, thought he would look like. 20, 20 point, like around 20 points, around 10 boards, and just better at defense. I saw him challenging shots and stuff like that. So I think they're going to be a trouble. Yeah. I, I 100% agree that the 0-4 in the preseason means nothing. Because um, Chris Paul, I think, only played one of the games. Yep. And yep. Devin Booker looked great in all of the games. Yes, he did. And so their their problem is probably their bench. Like, besides Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton, who are you relying on? Right. Um, like, Saric is a good role player. Yeah. They've got – Jay Crowder is a good role player. But, like, who do you have that can really – step up when Chris Paul if Chris Paul's hurt if Devin Booker's hurt like who do you have that can keep getting your team wins that's the only problem I have for that team but I mean Devin Booker's been a healthy guy a healthy player his whole career knock on wood Um, and DeAndre Ayton has been too the only reason he missed games was because of his suspension so I mean in terms of health like I don't see any injuries coming there where like knock on wood but if Chris Paul stays healthy like that team is going places I think yeah. Their bench, you're, you're right about their bench. They're like Javon Carter is a player on their bench who I like. Like all of them are just 
good players. They don't really have, like what you were saying, someone who could really take over a quarter or a couple yeah. stretch and get them buckets. You know what I mean? But Yeah, they have no breakout star. They have low, no, like, nobody on their team who isn't their best three guys are you going to look at and be like, wow, they're really going to have a great year. Right. Like, Cam Johnson is probably the best player on the bench, and he's, like, a second-year player who's really kind of only known for his defense and three-point shooting. So, mm -hmm. I can see what you're talking about with that. Yeah. So, I want to – that was all of my teams, but there's a player that I want to talk about that kind of – we talked about Portland being potentially better than an eight seed. Yeah. And – We've talked about Robert Covington. We've talked about Derek Jones Jr. We've talked about Dame. Uh, Harry Giles is a great, great pickup for them. And okay. watching him in the preseason, the fact that he was hitting corner threes, the fact that he's, like, just giving lots of energy. He didn't hit a single three in the regular season last year. Um, watching him hit a corner three blew my mind. Uh, cool. But if he, if he can – Put a, if he can give that kind of energy and just like hit the occasional corner three, get some offensive boards. I, they are he's going to help that team out so much. I love that he's healthy and that the Portland Trailblazers took a shot on him. Like I loved that move for them. The Kings were idiots to let him go. Because mm -hmm. um, I like as the number one ranked player in high school, there's still untapped potential there. Like he's. He hasn't been in the league long enough to, like, actually let that grow out considering he's been hurt for so many years. But, yeah, he's he's just a good, well-rounded big man. And they're so deep at center this year. They have Ennis Cantor, Nurkic. They got Giles. Like, they have some really good players that can swap in and out at five and four. So, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's a big uh, addition for them. It's going to be so matchup dependent, but you're yeah. really right that, like, you no, know, whoever the big man is, there's another big man that, like, that they're going up against. There's another big man on the Trailblazers that they can match up with pretty well. Yeah. And I like that it's, I think it's probably not a coincidence that they have center depth or big man depth after seeing the Lakers win a championship. I think that's totally like a chess move by them. I think. If they do happen to play them in the playoffs again, who knows? I think they're better equipped this year to throw big guys on AD and like Marcus Hall and stuff like that now to counter that size that the Lakers present. So yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of that Harry Giles signing. Yeah, me too. You know who I we didn't talk about at all in the Lakers and I think deserves a little bit of attention? Who's that? Uh, Wes Matthews. Wes Matthews, yeah. He's like a – I didn't even know he was on the team. Um, he's played on so many teams the yeah. past handful of years, but, like, he hasn't been bad for any of them. No. Um, I, I didn't know – I thought Schroeder was going to be there. I didn't – I mean, Schroeder's a six-man, but I didn't yeah. know who their starting point guard was going to be. And he is a good enough defender to lock down. So we were talking in our uh, finals breakdown, who would guard Kyrie? And he would. Wesley Matthews is good enough to guard Kyrie. Like, he's a passable enough defender on Kyrie. Yeah. I, I would – I think that's the way to put it, passable, because ever since he tore his Achilles, he hasn't been quite the same defensive player, but still, he, like, his intelligence, his defensive IQ, he's still shifty enough to, like, stop a guard by blowing by him. But Kyrie is a different animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, he can't lock up Kyrie the way, like, Drew Holiday can. Right, right. Um, but Drew Holiday is one of the best defenders in the league. Right. 
but yeah, that's a, that's a good signing for them too. We, we didn't really speak about him too much. Um, a player I want to talk about is John ja Morant. Um, I think he's going to – everyone's kind of fallen in love with him because of the season he had last year, rookie of the year, almost unanimously. Um, I think he's just going to take a huge leap forward. Usually point guards, when they come into the league, they really struggle from the field, from three, turnover rate, everything. And he just shattered that mold pretty much. He came in and was a gr- like a great point guard from day one. Um, I think this upcoming year, he's going to take another step forward. And I think the Grizzlies have a sneaky potential to be better than I expected them to be because I really kind of put them in the dumps. I think I had them, let's see. Yeah, I had them 13th out of 15 teams in the West. I think that could have been a major over-exaggeration because I think Jaw has the potential to become like an all-star level player this season. So I think I would pro- I think I also put him around. No, I had them fighting for the playing spot. Um, I think you do, yeah. But I think their maximum potential in the Western Conference, in this Western Conference, is like a ninth seed. Yeah, I, I um, agree. I agree. Which is, which is saying a lot. But what do you think? So I think John Morant's biggest knack, his biggest issue that he had to work on was his three-point shooting. Yeah. Um, he shot 33.5% on 2.7 attempts per game. Yeah. And his shot's like a push shot. It comes from pretty low. Yeah. Uh, it's an ugly shot. Um, it could be prettier, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the only thing he needs to really work on. If he can hit that at 36%, maybe four attempts per game at 36%. Yeah. Um, that ups his scoring to maybe like 20 points. He absolutely could be in the all-star conversation. 100%. And I think you're definitely right. I think the attempts of three-point shots need to go up, even if the percentage maybe creeps down a little bit. He needs to make defenders more honest and maybe go over screens because without athleticism, if they go over a screen – he's running right to the hoop and no one can really stop this kid. Like even in his rookie year, when people knew he was driving to the hoop, he could still get layups and dunks and stuff like that. So if people are like guessing whether he's going to shoot or drive, I think that adds a whole other level to his game. And he's shown that he's like a decent shooter, like whatever, I think it was 37% you said, right? 33 and a half from three. Oh my, really? Yeah. Not great. Oh, wow damn that's way lower than i thought it was but yeah. um yeah if he ups that a little bit he could really be in a different like stratosphere as a player and i think i think he will honestly i really do i, I saw him take a three from deep the other night with confidence and just stroke it so, yeah i did see that i have a question for you <laughs> related to john morant and some dumb takes that i had to listen to on espn who do you think is the better point guard, Ja Morant or De'Aaron Fox? It's got to be Ja. You think so? I, I think it has to be. I think – so I heard uh, – I don't even remember his name, but it doesn't matter. Um, say that he – one of the dudes said that De'Aaron Fox – Ja Morant is who De'Aaron Fox thinks he is. And That's, that's an overstatement. It's that's, just disrespect to De'Aaron yeah. Fox. Yeah. Um, but I think he will be an all-star before John Morant. De'Aaron Fox? Yes. He puts up – so last year he put up 21 points per game, seven assists per game. He shot – oh, he only shot 29% from three. That is gross. It's horrible. He shot 37% the year before, though. Man, 
I don't know. They're both garbage. They're, I mean, they're both garbage three-point shooters who are incredibly explosive. Yeah. But De'Aaron Fox is 6'3", John Morant's 6'1". John Morant is not 6'3", basketball reference. No. So, I think you're on to something with, like, they're bad shooters, but, like, incredible athletes. I think that's true for sure. But in my opinion – the way De'Aaron Fox passes and the way John Morant passes is completely different. Like, I think John Morant's, like, I'm trying to compare him to a passer that I know of. It's, like, it is, it's what he does with passing is special. Like, he makes the passes where you're, like, oh, I didn't even know that was open. You know what I mean? And he just gets it to the corner and it's a three, you know? It, It feels like his passing is more impactful than other guys in the league for some reason. Um and I don't know. I can't see how De'Aaron Fox would become an all-star before him. I, that's a, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I really, I, I didn't know he was such a bad three point shooter. So maybe that's a bad take, but I believe in, I, I don't know, man, John Morant's a great player, but I don't see him improving as a three point shooter a lot only because his form is still gross. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't think it's as bad as you think it is. If you, I mean, I, maybe I didn't watch him enough this preseason, but his rookie year, if you watched him shoot threes his rookie year, it was awful. It's a push shot. Yeah, yeah. it's a push shot with his feet on the ground. It's planted still. He, he doesn't is jump. not tall enough to do push shots f- from his chest. I agree, but it's not like, it's not to the point where it's like, oh, dude, you really gotta like, I, I don't know. It. Man, I, a- I, you can't be like Jaron Jackson Jr. where you shoot ugly-ass three-pointers and they just go in sometimes. They go yeah. in, like, most of the time. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to be everybody. I think Ja needs to rework his shot like Lonzo. Not, like, that extreme, obviously. Okay. Um, I was say, that's ridiculous. But, like, it, it's got to it's gotta change. If he wants to be, like, a 37 38% three-point shooter, it cannot be with the form he's got. I mean, that's that's probably fair. I mean, Lonzo's form still isn't great, and he hit – I mean, it's not, like, the prettiest-looking shot. He still looks uncomfortable shooting it, but he hit a decent percentage. And I'm looking at – so, my my thing is, Jaw averaged 17.8 points per game and 7.3 assists per game last year. Mm-hmm. I think he could easily go to, like, 20 and 10. Really? You think he I, goes he, up to 10? I easily. I think he could easily do that. Man, what do you? He's not a big turnover. Oh, three point three turnovers a game. I mean, that's not great. It's not bad either, though. It's not bad either. Yeah, I think he could probably lower the turnovers and up the assists a bit. Um, I I see him as a really good flashy passer, but that's what he does a lot of. He's not like. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he is better than I'm giving him credit for. Um, I would rather have De'Aaron Fox, I think, than John Morant. This is – all right. This is a fun argument. That's interesting. We, I think De'Aaron Fox's talent has been hindered by what a garbage, god-awful coach Luke Walton is. That's – I mean, that's fair because he tried to slow down the pace with the fastest player in the league. That makes no sense. But, like, when he had Dave Yeager – 
he, like people actually did notice De'Aaron Fox when they were kind of pushing for the playoff spot. Like I think it might have been two years ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah, not last season, the year before. I think John Morant's like literally what De'Aaron Fox's career was back then. Like he crept up to the playoff spot, except he was younger than De'Aaron. And he was like the lead of the team. I, I just don't think this year Jaw's going to be as horrible as the Kings are going to be, I don't think. Yeah, man, maybe I, that's fair. I don't know. Yeah. I would love to see De'Aaron Fox not on the Kings because it's hard to yeah. it's hard Same. to get a sense of his value on a team that's so like lopsided in terms right. of what direction they're heading in, like what right. players they believe in. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I love John Morant, but I don't trust his three point shot at all. I didn't even know De'Aaron Fox was that awful of a three point shooter, but twenty nine. Yeah, even still, I want De'Aaron Fox taking threes over John Morant. All right. Well, we'll have to monitor it through the season for sure. Yeah. All right. Who's another player you, you want to talk about? I don't know if I have any. We talked about Zion. We talked about Lonzo, yeah. Zach Levine, Lowry Markinen. Um, I think a player – so I talked about the Celtics being bad. I think the thing that saves the Celtics from being bad is Jason Tatum's just got a – like not be cold he's got it his defense is great always like he's a really good defender all the time he can guard the three the four he can switch onto ones when he has to um he just the games where he goes like two for 18 he can't have those if the celtics want to have any chance of winning a bunch of games in a row he can't have those yeah do you think it's like feasible for him to just stay hot until like Kemba comes back do you think that's something he could do I mean he did it in February last year he's gotta I think I think if he gets like two or three games in a row he could get 10 or 11 in a row Um, but it's those games where he has like a 30 point game and then like a dud and then he has like a 12 point game he just needs to go 30 28 30 like he can't the game after his great game he can't have a dud and he like very often does yeah so i completely agree with what you're saying and basically what you're saying is code word for he needs to become one of the best scorers in the league and that's that makes me nervous that makes <laughs> me nervous a little bit because... that's a lot of pressure you're right right and I mean, we've, he has probably one of the deepest offensive packages in the league. Like, his post-game, crazy. Three-point shot, really efficient. His driving to the hoop could be better, but it's still, like, really good. Mm-hmm. I think he's just, like, a fully loaded arsenal. But you're right. The inconsistency is, like, a little weird to me, honestly. Like, Jalen Brown is the more consistent player, and I think almost – he's more of like a heartbeat of the team than Jason Tatum is like Jason Tate, like in games, you can kind of see the body language. Like I hate to be that guy, the body language guy, but sometimes he just like shoulders drooped and like, it just seems like he's careless with the ball and stuff like that. I never, I just don't see that from Jalen Brown. Yeah. Jalen Brown. Yeah. Jalen Brown is, I said this earlier, he is consistently really good. He's going to put up 20 points a game, almost every single game. He's always going to play really good defense. Defense isn't the problem with the Celtics. No, no. It's just when we are bad, when they're bad offensively, they're awful. Yeah. Um, 
The thing with Jason Tatum is when he's not trying to put five different dribble moves on his defender and then hit him with a sidestep step back. Yeah. Uh, if he can just commit to like two moves and a shot or like two moves, a pass and cut to the hoop. Yeah. He, he's so much better. Um, he did a lot of dumb, dumb offense in the preseason, but it's preseason. I don't think that, I don't think that means he's going to do it in the regular season, especially when it didn't work. Um, I think he was just trying to test out his skills. That's true. But yeah, he is the – he has to be great for the Celtics to not lose a whole bunch of games, not lose a whole bunch of games that they deserve to win this year. Yeah, I think there's also another element that people, like, probably are forgetting that Kemba's got this knee injury. He's out for the first probably six weeks of the season. Is that, it that long? Six – yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that won't help. And oh, man. with defenders being able to say, okay, we know the number one option is Jason Tatum. I think last year it was Jason Tatum 1A and then Kemba Walker 1B. So it was like you couldn't really decide who to help off of. And like, you know what I mean? Now it's just stop Tatum. That's the primary goal. And then yeah. do we have enough pieces around him to get to like 100 points or 110 points? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if I didn't know Kemba was going to be out for that long, that that yeah. really hurts. Jeff yeah. Teague, as good of a backup point guard as he are as he is, he should not be starting. And I also feel like Marcus Smart should not be starting. Um, he is best as a six man. Okay, but I, I'd say Marcus Smart shouldn't be starting because I want Kemba there. If right. anybody, I would rather Jeff Teague start over Marcus Smart. In this, really, you'd rather have Kemba and Jeff Teague together? No. Uh, Jeff Teague over Kemba with Kemba out. Oh, gotcha. Um, I'd rather the starting point guard for the start of the season be Jeff Teague and then Marcus Smart come in as a six-man. Because Jeff Teague is not going to pull stupid threes over and over and over again. He's not going to go one for seven from three. Right. Probably Um, not. Probably not. He'll go one for four, I think, and he'll stop shooting. Yeah, And he'll start passing it to better offensive players. Marcus Smart just convinces himself that he will shoot himself out of that slump. Right. And I don't know that I've seen it happen. Neither have I. And um, I totally agree. But I think the starting lineup is probably going to be Jeff Teague with Marcus Smart, Brown, Tatum, and then whoever we put up. Tice, yeah. Tight. Because it's either Thompson or Tice. I'm not really sure because Thompson's injured right now. But should be right right Hayward's not on the team right he cannot start right yeah so I guess Marcus Smart no matter what is gonna start this whole year he'll be on the court as a starter oh man that's what I'm saying like I oh that's that's not good (laughs) yeah I just see the Celtics like chances of winning just keep plummeting until we get that I don't really – it's really our bench. It sounds so funny, like, but it really comes down to our bench. Like, whenever the bench comes in, I know the lead is going to evaporate. Yeah. It, with a team like that, you just can't have confidence in winning. Yeah, dude. I don't know what they do. I, I don't think – Ronnie Hollis Jefferson just got waived. I don't think he's a person that would really benefit the Celtics because we've got so much defense, and Ronnie Hollis Jefferson's a kind of a dud on offense. He's a zero. He's yeah. a zero. But I honestly would welcome the signing because if you could have 
either Tice or Thompson and Rondé Hollis Jefferson on the bench, at least you have some like effective defensive players that might make the defense formidable enough on the bench to like keep a lead. Like if a bench just went out there and defended well and scored a few points here and there, but kept our lead, I'd be fine with it. But we can't have people on the bench just chucking up shots and missing them all the time. And like, I'm just, I'm nervous. Yeah, no, the nerves are absolutely fair. There's three good – I mean, good is maybe in air quotes, but there are three uh, well-known players who have been cut recently, and I want to get your take on who you would rather sign between Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, and Gerald Green. Oh, God. Um, They've all been in the league for a while. Gerald Green is an offensive guy. He's been on the Celtics before. He doesn't have the kind of bounce he used to, but his bounce was unreal. Right. Michael Kidd Gilchrist was just kind of uh, he didn't he never panned out. Never. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good. I think he's a passable three point shooter, though. To be honest. For the Mavs yeah. last year. Yeah. His, I, I his shots were ugly. I'm still gonna go with Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Um, he played well for the Raptors. I mean, we played against him in the playoffs, so I got to really see him, like, firsthand in a playoff series. And he he performed well. I mean, he defended who he had to defend. He wasn't, like, a huge contributor on the offensive side of the ball, but, I mean, we all kind of expect that to be how it is. Like, he's not going to give you much on offense. So I think I'd probably take Jefferson. All right, that's fair. I would go with probably – Gerald Green. I don't know, man. Rondé Hollis Jefferson's a good choice because he did play well in the Raptors and they're a well-coached team. And if you put a coach like Brad Stevens, if you, he can probably set up Rondé Hollis Jefferson to, to be his best offensively. Um, he's definitely bringing more on defense than Gerald Green brings on offense. 100%. Yeah. But we need offense. Bad. Yeah. So, no. I, I, it's definitely a tough conversation, but I don't know. Rondé Hollis Jefferson's a great defender. I don't know why the hell the Timberwolves cut him. Seriously, I don't know. That's one of the I, – I had, like, a list of six teams that I wanted to get to, but I cut it short. I cut some off, but I want to talk about the Wolves just super quick. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what that team's going to be. I think they're going to be worse than I thought they were going to be. Really? Like, the talent says, like, we have so much offense, you won't be able to stop us. But it seems kind of like a video game team to me, if you know what I mean. Like, oh, like, this will just work because he's good and he's good. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I can't really see how that team does well together or meshes correctly. In my head, it's just like, like it doesn't make sense to me. I, do you have a take on that or am I just – So, honestly, I, I mean, the Timberwolves are going to be bad. I think that's undeniable. They're going to let up maybe the most points – definitely the most points in the West – um, yeah, OKC isn't a great offensive team, but they have a lot of good defenders, so they're just going to be like ninety to hundred games. Uh, but the Timberwolves are going to—I I don't know, man. I think Anthony Edwards showed me more than I thought he would on defense. Um, that is true. That is true. And he I know he's well. just one dude. D'Angelo Russell's not a good defender. Cat's a bad defender. Um, bad. Seven foot Trey Young. <laughs> that's disrespectful no he's bad though yeah i mean 
He's not the really? worst defender in the NBA, bad. Um, yeah. But maybe he would be if he was 6'2". Really? Yeah, man. I don't know. I I, I love Cat and D'Lo as a pairing so much. It's it's um, cool that they're friends and they're nasty offensively. But, like, I'm just trying to think of, like, team success. I don't I don't get it. I don't think they've gotten a new coach either. Their hope would be to get a, like, Stan Van Gundy kind of coach who's just going to drill defense into their heads. And even then, I think it's too late for Cat to learn good defensive habits. They had it. They had it in Thibodeau. Yeah. Like, yeah, even, they didn't like him. But, like, it made sense, you know? Like, this yeah. offensively talented team – that doesn't play defense. Just get a defensive guy like Thibodeau and send them. It, it made so much, but the personalities didn't mix or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I think it replace Thibodeau with a, a just as good defensive coach, maybe even worse defensive coach who just isn't the way that Tom Thibodeau is. Right. Um, <laughs> the Timberwolves would have respected them a lot more. Yeah. Like Andrew Wiggins and Tom Thibodeau are the worst possible coach player pairing. Absolutely. That you could possibly have. Absolutely. Um, but you're really right. Yeah, their offense is going to be spectacular. They're going to have crazy highlights. They're going to have highlights every single game, and they're going to get blown out every game. 100%. <laughs> um, all right, so I have a few players to, like, just compare really quick because of yeah. our previous, like, awards and uh, conference breakdowns. And I think you're going to like this. Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony has been playing well for the Magic, and we've got to see him go up against LaMelo head-to-head. Mm-hmm. And LaMelo has clearly been the sixth man for the Hornets. He is coming off the bench. They're running Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham over him. I did not expect that. I thought they were going to give him the keys to the franchise and just let him go um, over – a player who's probably more ready, like NBA ready now with Devontae Graham or Terry Rozier. I thought they were just going to put that to the side for ratings and like to try to develop him. Doesn't seem like they're going to do that. And I think Cole Anthony has like a pretty decent shot of winning rookie of the year now. Whoa. Yeah. Do you think so? The thing with preseason is it's tough to get a good gauge of how many minutes players are going to actually play based on how they do in the preseason. There. Um, I still think they're going to start Markel Fultz. I think... I think I, eventually Cole Anthony may earn that starting spot over Markel Fultz. That's my take. That's my take. That's I a think, fine take. I think Markel Fultz is an above-average player. He's a good creator. He's got a great handle. He's great at finishing. The dude can... He just can't shoot. He yeah. literally has like a problem, a mental block, similar to Ben Simmons because of his injury that he suffered. Like, he's got some issues, and he doesn't want to shoot the ball. Cole Anthony, he just lets it fly. Mm-hmm. He's, like, one of those guys who has, like, an irrational confidence about his game. Yeah. Like, he doesn't care that he's a rookie. He just, like, went in and attacked and got buckets. So, I think, like, through the first, I don't know, 20, 30 games, Markel, if he doesn't, like, really stave off Cole Anthony, I think, I think he could take the job and win Rookie of the Year. See, I think that's actually a great take. Um Cole Anthony, I I really wanted to – I was really excited for him on the Magic. And I think the thing that's best for him is he's not on a team that has any high hopes. Um, so there's no pressure. None. 
And you are right that he's got such a high confidence in himself. Uh, He is a great pick for rookie of the year. Um, I still think LaMelo will earn a starting spot. I don't know, man. Terry Rogier's like his contract was a lot, but he's been a good player for them. I think he's one of those guys that because of the contract that he got, it still to this day overshadows his play. Like he's a good player. Any team that would be contending for a championship would love to have Terry Rozier on their team. So it's like, because the number on his contract is probably bigger than people expected. It's still like overshadows how well he's been playing for them for the past like year and a half or whatever. Mm -hmm. Dante Graham, he shot up in production last year. He, I think he got like 17 points per game. I just, look, I, it's going to be hard for LaMelo to, to grab a starting spot, I think. See, I wouldn't be surprised. LaMelo's 6'8". Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they ran three guards. Maybe not all the time, but Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, and LaMelo could all be on the floor at once. Yeah. I mean, we've seen teams experiment with that last year with OKC, that like triple guard lineup that finished games for them and won a lot of games for them. It's a similar situation because they have Shea Gilgis-Alexander who's so tall and so long that he can guard guys above his – he can guard more than just guards. He can guard forwards well enough. And LaMelo doesn't have enough muscle on him, but I don't know. I I think he'd be good enough in the passing lanes. I think he could probably strip the ball from forwards if they try to just, like, bully him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them run three guards. I think coaches would be a little scared to finish games with LaMelo, though. Yeah. You know, like, he's going to take those shots from 30 feet and with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, and you're going to be like, what the fuck? Like, this is a three-point game. Why are you doing that? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. So, they definitely won't trust him in the clutch, but I think he's still going to get his minutes. Do you think he'll be on equal footing? Because through the preseason so far, he's only been getting, like, four minutes less than Rozier and Devontae Graham. Do you think that'll be, like, a common theme throughout the season? Probably to start the season, yeah. He might get, like – to start the season, he may get like six or eight minutes less, and then it'll eventually start to even out. Okay, that's completely fair. Yeah, um, I think we we definitely didn't talk about Cole Anthony as a Rookie no, of the Year candidate. Um, and also, honestly, I think Obi Toppin's still in that conversation. Okay, so it's weird because this year, it's like you can almost bet Rookie on the Year with the player who starts. It, it could literally be because they're all – in my opinion, I don't know, someone, you might have a different opinion, but like, I all kind of view them as like glorified role players, like all of the top picks. Like, I think they're like just above your average role player. So whoever's going to get the most minutes could win the award. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That's the thing you're really betting on is which one, who's going to get the starting spot first. Right. Um, Cause they're definitely gonna, I could see, like in a Michael Carter Williams sort of sense, one of these guys having in a phenomenal rookie year because he was given the keys like right. halfway through the season and then just like not really be that kind of player. Right. Um, but I don't think that's Obi Toppin. I think Obi Toppin's talented. Yeah. And I watched the Knicks versus Cavs, which I don't recommend anybody does. Um, but they put up a ridiculous amount of points and Emmanuel quickly, quickly, 
Yeah, quickly. Is another yeah. dude quickly? Is another dude on their team? They got a bunch of young, talented dudes, and I hope they. I really just want the Knicks to give them minutes. Like, yeah. you made a mistake giving Julius Randle the contract that you did. Just own it and bench him. Do what they did to Batum. Yeah. On the Hornets, and just he's got to earn his minutes. You don't just give it to him because he gave him the contract. He's got to earn it. Uh, I'm totally with you. And I think Tibbs is like kind of the perfect coach to do it, actually. Like, all right, the young guys are coming in. We're giving them all the minutes because that's his coaching style. You just play. You just play the whole game. And I think that could really push them forward, the the rookies. I think that that's good for the development. I think RJ Barrett is like, while we're on the Knicks, I think he has a, a chance to take a step up this year too. Yeah. What do you, do you see RJ Barrett ever being an all-star? I just, I, I don't actually, I really don't. I, I can't, I know he came out as like the guy in high school. He was the number one rated player and then Zion was two and then whatever, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, he's so left-hand dependent. It's ridiculous. Like every time he goes to the hoop, you know, he's, if you just take away his left hand and make him switch to his right, it's not going in. Yeah. He's a poor, poor shooter. Like, I think he shoots like 60% from the free throw line. Oh. 60% from the free throw line and probably like low, obviously low 30s from three. So it's just like, <clears throat> I don't know. He shot like 80% in the preseason. From free throw? Yeah. It's not a big enough sample size to where you can really take a lot out of that. But it, I people clowned him because the first preseason game, he missed a three and then they got the rebound, gave it to him, and then he airballed a three. Um, but after that, he almost shot like 50% over the rest of his shots. I think he'll be an above average player that, I don't know. Can you see him making an all-star game? I don't. Uh, you're, you're right that as left-hand dependent as he is, no. Um, if he can commit to working on, if he can commit an off season to just working on the right hand, yeah. um, it's possible. But I don't know, man. The Knicks got to be a better team because otherwise it's going to be a Bradley Beal situation where he may just ball out on a garbage team and then nobody will give him votes. Yeah, because they do put the ball in his hand. Like, he had a high usage rate. Like, he's definitely willing to, like, run the offense for them. But I just don't have the most confidence in in his, like, abilities right now. He'll have to prove something this year to me to show that he's, like, on that path. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think he will this year. I mean, not enough to project him to be an all-star, but I think he's absolutely taken a step up this year. I think with Tibbs, too, as a coach, who's, like, pretty widely respected as a good coach, but just, like, an older style of coaching. Yeah. I think I think it's going to make him a better player. I think it's going to help Obi Toppin a lot, too, because that boy struggles on defense. But Tibbs all about defense, so I think that'll help. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, so we got the regular season starts tomorrow. Yes, sir. Um, give me your thoughts. Um, first of all, I'm just so excited the NBA is back. It, like, this is my dream come true. A 71-day off season is just – that's like Christmas to me. That's like the perfect gift. But um, I'm just so excited to watch KD opening night back with games that matter against a team that he played for. I think that's just – it's, it's going to be such a great night. 
Yeah. So who's the besides Brooklyn and Golden State? Who's the other matchup? Lakers and Clippers. Oh which, man. Yeah, it is just like two of the best games you could watch on opening night. Oh, that's wicked fun, dude. I'm I, I think there's a chance that a 72 game season, 71 game season. I think that there's a chance that that happens again. Um, that they look at that and they say, like, all right, there's less games to rest players. Every game means a lot more. Uh, like, maybe we do this again. It wouldn't be great for the NBA's bottom line, but, like, they're a billion-dollar industry. Right. So it's not like that's a huge concern. I think basketball-wise, it's really, really good for the game that every single game matters so much. Yeah, I think that's – People talk about that with the NFL, like, oh, there's only 16 games. That's why they dominate ratings every single week. And I think that does have a part um, to do with it. But there's something about it that shortening the season and how it would affect historical records and stuff like that, I, I don't think the NBA will do it. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it would definitely mess up records. Uh, I would be okay with that. Um, I you would be, just have to take it into context, but I, yeah, you're right that there would be a huge pushback from guys who are like guys who want to approach who are going close to milestones that they're now not going to reach because there's 10 less games a season. There's just less games to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But man, I, I hope that that wouldn't get in the way, but I think it's absolutely possible. Yeah. All right, so let's get your picks for opening night. Who do you got winning, Nets or Warriors, opening night? Nets. I also have the Nets. Why do you think? Do you have any matchup ideas? Um, so maybe I have overvalued the Warriors. Um, I had them as a three seed in my Western Conference breakdown. I think that might be a little ridiculous. It might um, be. I'll, I'm going to – shift them down to the eight seed and move every other team I had up. I still think they're better than the Rockets. Yeah. Um, but, or, or they'll win more than the Rockets. I don't know about better, but I think they'll win more than the Rockets. But the Nets and the, the Warriors are not on the same level. I don't think so either. Is it? <clears throat> no. No. Kyrie is a better, I don't know. Kyrie or Steph, who's a better defender? They defend in different ways. So it's kind of hard to tell. I, I don't know. It's probably a wash, honestly. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, I mean, the Nets just have so much more offense. Yeah. Um, I expect KD to have a fantastic game yeah. against the Warriors. He can literally shoot over whoever they put on him. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. Doesn't matter. I love his shot so much. Watching him, I know he was just torching bench guys, but like – Watching him shoot over Peyton Pritchard, just uh, like he was right in his mouth and he just shot right over him like he was nothing. I want to see him do that to everybody. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think the Warriors are actually constructed to kind of give him a hard time just because they can switch Wiggins on him, Oubre on him, Draymond on him, all at the same thing. But ultimately, I don't think it matters either. I think Katie's going to drop 30 and I think the Nets are going to win opening night. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be kind of close because you're right about the switchable, the switchability yeah. of that team. But I still think the Nets have the, the lead. All right. So for Lakers Clippers, who are you choosing and why? I don't think it's a tough call to say the Lakers. All right. Um, I don't 
believe in the Clippers anymore. Which is completely warranted. Like they might, they'll be a good regular season team. I think the Lakers will beat them every game they play in the regular season. Woohoo! Damn. I think they already have, even if the Clippers want to pretend like they have a chip on their shoulder, I don't yeah. believe it. Like, do you think Kawhi ever has a chip on his shoulder? Do you think he really cares about the outcome? Or do you think he's just showing up and playing basketball? I feel like he's just showing up and playing basketball at an amazing level. That's hilarious. That's crazy. <laughs> I have the Clippers winning open at night. Really? Talk to me about why. Because of what you were saying, except the inverse. I think the Clippers do have a chip on their shoulders. <laughs> That's so funny. I think they're completely embarrassed. Honestly, I think they're embarrassed and they got punched in the mouth in the playoffs by the Nuggets. Yeah. We spoke about this before we made the podcast. The Clippers acted like they were four-time champions before the season had even started. And no one really knew where that confidence was coming from. I mean, like they were the Vegas odds favorite to win the championship. So I don't know if that's what gave them the confidence. I have no idea where that came from, but they got in flat out embarrassed. They were a meme again. The Clippers being clowns once again for just failing in the playoffs. I think, I think Kawhi is starting to take his legacy into consideration because I think he could, if he wins a championship with the Clippers, assuming he wins Finals MVP, I think he like shoots up the all time ranks as probably mm. like twenty three player. Finals MVPs on three different teams. That's pretty crazy with defensive awards too like he's got two defensive player of the years he is the highest win percentage of any player ever like I think that's these are some huge monumental things that could push his legacy in a different direction but if he just becomes the guy who keeps getting clowned by LeBron I think that actually takes him down a peg so I think the Clippers come into the season with a chip on their shoulder and I think they're ready to fight with the Lakers See, I think that's – I mean, it's not, like, an unreasonable take whatsoever. I yeah. think LeBron is going to come into this game and act like, all right, the Clippers have a chip on their shoulder. Watch this. And, like, yeah. it doesn't matter what you th- how good you think you're going to be this year. I'm going to beat you. And it's um, – it, the Lakers, we spoke about it. They've improved, too. Like, in both of our opinions, we think yeah. they got better. Mm-hmm. Whether the Clippers can take this into the playoffs, I don't know. But I think opening night, they shock the world. I'm here to see it, man. I, if, I, I would love to see Kawhi really care. Yeah. Because um, it feels like he's just cashing checks and playing basketball. Do you think that him giving up on Doc Rivers was a part of it? Or do you think he just wanted out of the bubble and he didn't care anymore? Man, I don't know. I mean, they all kind of gave up on Doc Rivers. He was like, I mean, not they all, but Paul George and Kawhi. Um, Kawhi, like, wasn't acting like a team player enough. Like, he didn't act like the team around him mattered. Um, Like, they could just move pieces around and get a good team without actually getting that chemistry together. Right. Um, but I, all, I think the, the chemistry building has always been somebody else's problem on his teams. Like the Spurs, Greg Popovich instills that. Kyle Lowry instills it on the Raptors. Nick Nurse helps too. I don't think – I think making Kawhi do that himself is really, really testing. Yeah. I think it's also an int- like just an interesting philosophical question about basketball. Like 
does the best player on your team have to be the best leader? I think that's super interesting that like we could have a whole podcast just on that because I think the addition of Serge Ibaka is big, not only for on the court, but like off the court stuff. Like he's a good guy. He's universally loved across the league and he was good friends with Kawhi in Toronto too. So like, I think that could provide a spark in the accountability aspect and leadership, but yeah. How much, how much does it matter if your star players, the one, being the example and like a role guy you know what I mean as long as you have a good player on your team that's the leader I think that's all you need okay. um the, I don't think the best guy on your team has to be the leader because like he wasn't in the Raptors um Kyle Lowry's a great player he's an all-star but he wasn't he's not better than Kawhi oh, um but he was it's tough because he's like one of the best leaders in basketball in terms of like uplifting his guys. Right. Um, if you're just an average leader, I don't know. And I think that's a great question. Yeah. But I think the Clippers get it done opening night and uh, you think the Lakers win, right? Yep. Yeah, man. I can't wait. All right, man. Thank you guys for listening. This was the chase down Ben. Any closing words? Um, no, man. Thanks everybody for watching. Um, next episode. I don't know what we go over. Maybe our thoughts on the first couple of games and just where we see the season going. All right. Thanks, guys. Peace. Bye, guys.